This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Post-match out with chaps for that Millwall podcast where it finished at Deepdale. Preston North End 1, Millwall 1. Um, before we get into it, just uh, to say that this show is proud to be sponsored by Arco Recruitment. Now, again, before we get into it, I'm going to address the elephant in the room and say before any of you offer your kind opinion, yes, I have had a hair change and yes, the missus has already told me look like a monk. So um, do your worst in the comments. I'm sure you will. Um, I put myself out there and uh, I know I'm going to get absolute pelters for it. So, um, yeah, but I'd <laughs> mention that before everyone does. Um, brief hiatus from me. Um, obviously, there's been an international break and um, I've obviously been off getting married and things. So uh, really nice, obviously, to come to come back and sort of uh, do one of these um, one of these recordings. Um what I will do is I'll talk a bit about the game and then I'll talk a bit about, um, obviously, the big news this week that we learned on Wednesday evening that Gary Rowett um, and Millwall had terminated um, by mutual consent. Uh, so I'll give my sort of opinion on that and uh, also what I think we need to do moving forwards in terms of uh, the direction I think we need to go in. So... Um, with that news in mind, obviously, um, Adam Barrett took charge of the game uh, against uh, Preston. And in fairness to Adam Barrett, I didn't expect massive changes in terms of team shape set up because he'd literally had, if the timeline in terms of Wednesday night of the sacking, uh, sacking already, I'm already saying sacking, sorry, not sacking, the uh, mutual separation um, uh, is true then, of course, he literally probably had one day's worth of training. So I didn't expect too much in the way of um, changes. Obviously, we knew we had quite a few injuries as well. The likes of Duncan Watmore, Kevin Nisbet, and now Ryan Leonard added to already quite a long injury list. And um, when you look at that injury list, it's probably about five players that arguably will be first-team starters that are now unavailable in terms of Sarkic, Hutchinson, Leonard, um, Watmore, and Nisbet. So, um, you know, quite a few players that would definitely be in contention, at least for a starting place. One change I thought would happen uh, was to see the return of George Savile. And that didn't happen. And, and look, we can debate all day in terms of why that is. Um, to my knowledge, there hasn't been a falling out with anyone other than Gary Rowett. So the fact that Savile still doesn't play, I can only assume he's got a knock or... Um, Maybe he's been safe for the Blackburn game. I don't know. So I'm sure we'll find out. Uh, and in due course, we'll, we'll see what happens, whether he does get a game against Blackburn. He didn't even come on yesterday. But the lineup was uh, Barton goal. Same system. So back three or back five, however you want to sort of look at it. Um, so right to left, Harding shifted to the right-hand side. He was in the centre before. Um, Cooper in the centre, who obviously was on the left. Returning Murray Wallace on the left of the back three. Joe Bryan and Norton Cuffey. Norton Cuffey coming back into the starting lineup for Danny Mack, who dropped to the bench. Uh, the central midfield pairing, again, Casper Denor or Denor A, um, and Alan Campbell kept his place. And then a front three of Zian Fleming on the right, 
in the centre, Tom Bradshaw. And then on the left, a first start for uh, Adomu Imaku. Uh, Adomu Imaku gets his first start in a line shirt. And I think we can all say that we were really, really pleased with that, the fact that he, he did get a start. Um, and again, was that Barrett putting his mark down or was it the fact there really wasn't anyone else to start? I suppose Longman could have come in and started. But that was the team that, that started. And um, I was probably mildly optimistic going into the game. Uh, Preston have started very, very well, but the results of late have started to drop off a little bit. Um, so let's just see. Uh, let's see what ultimately uh, would come of it. And we kick off and... We could have been 1-0 down in 60 seconds. We weren't, but we was 1-0 down after two minutes. And the defending for this goal from start to finish is horrendous. Uh, Imaku loses his man. Um, we then get, uh, you know, Joe Bryan is too passive in his defending. And then the defence don't step out. It's just a catalogue of errors, to be honest. And it's it's a horrendous goal to give away. Way too easy. And we find ourselves one nil down after two minutes. So you, the, the camera pans to Adam Barrett on the touchline. You can see he's saying, head up, you know, keep your focus, keep your chin up. Um, and again, the first, then for the sort of first 15, 20 minutes, other than one opportunity we did have, which I'll talk about in a second, it was one-way traffic. And I, I, um, I honestly felt a better team, if that was Leeds or Leicester or, you know, Ipswich, I honestly think we could have been three or four nil down after 20 minutes. And it's easy to forget that because obviously what becomes a lot more positive uh, as we get into the, the to the latter parts of the first half. But the first, first half of the first half was really poor from our point of view. The one good opportunity we had was that a corner. We break. Bradshaw feeds Imaku. Imaku does really, really well. Gets, continues to drive at the ball, drives at the box. And he just, he just goes for it. He takes a shot. It ricochets off, I think it's Liam Lindsay. It loops up over, looks like it's going to be over Freddie Woodman. Freddie Woodman gets a hand to it and he actually pushes it onto the bar. Um, at one stage in that build-up, um, we did have a four on two, but in, in fairness, I don't think uh, Imaku would have been able to find the pass. So that was a good opportunity. We then have another opportunity where Imaku, again, one of the things about Imaku is that I felt he needed to develop was his ability, his hold-up play. Um, in order for him to play as a proper out-and-out striker. And this was a great example of how I think he is learning because he receives the ball back to goal, uses his strength and his sense of gravity to turn that man and then drive at the box. And then he puts two players on their arse. But in the process of doing that, Bradshaw is wide open. And again, this is where he has raw potential, where he just if he had just found Bradshaw at that moment instead of going for glory we could have been 1-1 at that point. So we we did, uh, I said when I started this, saying we only had one good opportunity in the first half before we scored. We did have two um, if uh, Imaku would have found Bradshaw. Make no mistake about it, regardless of those two opportunities, it was, it was one-way traffic and our defending was horrendous. We just seemed half a yard off it. And I don't know if that's confidence. I don't know what it was, um, but we were just so slow and we were so slow to get out and attack the ball, um, we would stand off and stand off and stand off. They had an opportunity in the first half where they were coming at us and driving at us. And eventually Harding comes across to where Cooper should be stepping out um, to, to make a block. But it's all one-way traffic. And then we do start to grow into the game around the sort of 20, 25-minute mark, 25 minute mark. And the goal kind of comes out of nothing. And 
some decent work from Campbell. Um, gets the ball back. It then makes his way back to Campbell, who finds Fleming with probably a bit of a scuff pass, but they all count. And then Fleming has a lot of work to do. He, um, he uses his strength. And this is what Fleming's good at. He's very, very upper body strong. He's able to control the ball, to use his uh, intelligence to turn. And then the finish is just sublime. Uh, he gets it out of his feet and bends it, whips it top corner. Um, I don't know if it actually is top corner, but it's definitely out of reach of the goalkeeper. I don't think the keeper can save that. And it is a, it is just a moment of magic from Zian Fleming. And whilst I'm going to go on now to talk about how positively I think overall we played, we actually didn't really test the goalkeeper that much. And other than that one moment of magic from Fleming, we could have walked away yesterday with a defeat and it would have been very undeserved. So we get the goal. Uh, I've gone on to the negatives there already, but we get the goal. And again, it's a fantastic bit of play from Fleming. Uh, 1-1. And I honestly felt after that, although we didn't necessarily create clear-cut openings, we uh, we could and should have, of, of you know, we were, we were our towers were up. We, we, you know, the first half coming to a close definitely favoured them. Um, and I, I felt we were much the better side for the second half of the first half. Um Halftime comes and the second half kicks off and it's very much the same. I felt we were we, we were in control for the first sort of 15, 20 minutes of it uh, up until they make their substitutions and they make their substitutions and the returning Chad Evans always seems to score against us, comes on and he gets the crowd going. And I think that was the difference yesterday. I felt that in the last sort of 15, 20 minutes, they started to take the upper hand back from us. And I felt that was purely down to the substitutions they could make. Um you know, to bring on the likes of their record signing as Majic, I think his name is, to bring on the likes of Liam Miller with the pace down the left-hand side, to bring on Chet Evans. They're able to bring two or three forward players and we just don't have that. Um, you know, when you look at our bench, the, the sort of attacking options you've got is Longman, who has been playing as our left-back, you know. He's only ever really played for AFC Wimbledon in an attacking capacity. Um, then um, we also have, obviously, Romain Essay, Um and, and Tom Lee, who it was great to see him on the bench and it's great experience for him, but is he ready to come on? Don't know. I guess you don't know until you do it. But I, I guess on one side of the coin, you could look at it and be really critical that Barrett has has made very Rowett-esque subs in the way that he kind of packed the midfield out, bringing Billy Mitchell on. But at the same time, what we don't really have the striking options to bring on. And for me, we are still a few short. I think we're a striker short and I still think we're a defender short. And I think if I could be picky, I'd also like another wide man. Um, but I do think we are still short. And that just shows you the difference in the fact the options Preston had. I don't think Preston are a better side than us. I think we were well worthy at least a point. Um, I think we were probably the better side for larger portions of the game than they were. But I think if I had to pick a result, it was a fair one. Um and we probably should be pleased with that, in all honesty. I think the frustration is, again, I felt with a little bit more, we could have won the game. But Preston have beaten all but one of the teams that they faced against uh, at home at Deepdale. Uh, and given everything that went on with the week, I think we probably all would have taken a, a point before the game. So I, it was a weird one in the sense that I felt at times we were much worse than we were under Rowett, particularly defensively. The first 20 minutes was as bad as it's been for a long, long time. And as I say, we could have been out of sight, unfortunately, if it was for a better side. But then at times I felt we played with a little bit more creative freedom and I felt that Fleming was more influential yesterday than he has been for a long time. So 
you know, I felt Imaku obviously was a real shining light. Bradshaw didn't have much of a sniff, um, but he worked tirelessly. So it was, it's a weird one. I think it's hard to, to dissect based on one game. I don't think it was massively different to what it would have been under Rowett. But as I say, there were little parts of extreme where maybe you could see, you know, what it will be like under under Barrett instead of Rowett. So I'm not going to talk about any other opportunities and things like that. I think what I'll do now is talk about some of the players individually and then I'll talk more about the sort of managerial situation. So um, sort of going from uh, front uh, back to front, I, I, I thought Bart... Um, I think he made one save in the second half to sort of, you know, sort of stung his, stung the palms, uh, stung his palms. But other than that, I don't think he had much to do. Um, he's kicking, he's atrocious, but we know that. I think quite a few times he kicked it out of play, or, uh, but but we know that, right? Um, so nothing major to call out on Bart. The back three, um, I felt that Wes Harding was good actually. Um, I probably prefer him in the centre, but what he showed playing on the right-hand side is, which I don't think I've seen yet until yesterday, so it's good to see it, was he can play a bit. You know, he, he was able at times to bring the ball out. Um, I think uh, I think the defence looked better, looks better with him in it. I think that's the way I would describe it. And at the moment, I think he looks like a good signing for, for you know, just turned 27. He seems to be a bit of a leader. He seems... From what I read and observe, he seems to be like a really good like person, first and foremost, and, and a model professional. And I think he can play a number of positions. So I thought he was quite good yesterday. He carried the ball out at times. Um, I do think we missed Leonard. Um, and it was a matter of time, wasn't it, before Ryan Leonard got injured? This is the frustration. I guess we just didn't think it would be a cracked bone in his knee. So I don't know how long he's out for. Probably until after the next international break, that's for certain. Uh, Cooper... <sighs> I prefer him on the left of a three. I think in the centre of a three, at times, he's, his lack of footballing brain uh, can leave us open at times. He doesn't make the right decisions to close down. I feel he's always got a mistake in him. But having said that, he made a lot of vital interceptions, um, particularly from crosses, cutting them out and things. And how on earth there were free kicks given against him when there were four players dragging him down in the opposition box? I'll never know, but I won't go into that for, for too long because I'll be here all day. Um, Murray Wallace. So um, I actually have him down as probably joint man of the match. Um, now, I think that Murray Wallace going forwards at times yesterday, his, his, his passing wasn't the best. Um, and I think he gave the ball away quite a lot in the first half. But I have to say, over the course of 90 minutes, if you was just to watch a highlight reel of Murray Wallace yesterday, the amount of tackles and crucial interceptions at crucial times, and that's the vital thing, particularly the one in the last minute, which in my opinion is as good as a goal, um, those things alone, I think he deserves to be called out. I thought he was very, very good defensively yesterday and back to his best Um and I've called him out to say I think he's been poor at times this season. And I feel it's right that credit where credit's due. I thought he was very good yesterday. And as I say, at crucial moments in the game, um, made some some crucial tackles or interceptions, in interceptions, in particularly that one at the end, which for me is vital because if we'd have lost that game 2-1, we wouldn't have deserved to lose it. And I think it would um, would really have affected the players. So Murray Wallace, joint man of the match for me. Um I thought Brooke Norton Cuffey was very good defensively and also getting the ball up the field. 
at times his, his crossing was was poor yesterday. And that's the only reason why, for me, he wasn't in contention to be man of the match. I actually thought everyone played pretty well yesterday. Um, I don't think there's anyone that was poor. Um, but um, I thought I thought overall, Brooke Norton Cuffey was, was fairly good. He's a weird one because I actually think, the more I see of him, I don't think he's going to break into Arsenal. Um, and that's not me doing him a disservice. I, I really don't. Is it an opportunity for him to... Basically, what I'm getting at is he... We've always looked at him and said, oh, he's, he's never going to stick around. But could he? I don't know. A lot of potential there anyway. And I love the fact that he carries the ball up the pitch. Um, he's the only player I think we've got in our starting eleven at the minute that can... Picture the scene. All of your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Obviously, a Mac who's different because he's playing at the top end of the pitch. But in terms of anywhere else, a player that can carry us up the pitch. Um, Joe Bryan, oh, I just, I get so conflicted with him. It almost comes across that he just doesn't like defending. Because going forward, he seems to have quite a lot of pace and energy and you know, skill and just easy. You can tell he's a quality player going forward, but defensively it almost looks like he's not asked. He just defends so lethargically. Don't know. Uh, he wasn't poor yesterday. I thought he was good overall, but the jury's still out for me in terms of the way he lacks tenacity when he defends. Um, the two centre midfielders. So I thought it was Campbell's best game. I thought that he impacted the game a lot more than he has. I still think there's a lot more to come from him. Having observed him at Luton, what I would say is he's playing in a position that I don't think he played for, uh, played in much for Luton. I thought for Luton, he played in a midfield three and he would play further forward. So he seems to be looking fitter. He's still not lasting 90 minutes. I still think I prefer Savile in there, but I don't think he deserves as much criticism as people are giving him. Denor didn't do anything outstanding yesterday and actually had a shocking first five minutes, but he just controls the game for us. He's always available. He keeps the ball ticking over. I should have checked. I haven't. He probably had 70% of our touches. I just think he's so influential for us. And um, he helped us get back in the game yesterday because he took a foothold on the ball and started to really sort of try and dictate the play. So he was kind of like my joint man of the match, but he didn't do anything spectacular, which is why I'm probably more inclined to give it to Murray Wallace. Imaku had moments of absolute brilliance yesterday. And you can see just what a a talent he is and he's going to be. He just needs to refine those few moments where, as I say, he needs to look up, feed Bradshaw, just make the right decision. But I'm not criticising him because at the end of the day, he's like 20 or whatever, 19. He's going to make those mistakes. But I thought he was well worthy of his first start and I thought he was brilliant yesterday. And the fact that he went off with cramp just tells you how much he ran himself into the ground. And um, maybe that's why he's not been starting because he's not yet, his body's not yet ready to do 90 minutes. I don't know. But, I think we've got a real talent on our hands and, you know, not, not that it matters, but who would you start? Oh, you know, would you start SA or would you start him? I actually think I'd probably start him over SA at the moment. Um, and that's not to, you know, SA is another fantastic talent, right? It's great to have the options. Um, Fleming, I thought, was more influential yesterday. I thought he was involved a lot more. I felt he took up better positions and Barrett alluded to that, that they were working on that deliberately. So fair play if that's the case. Um, and he was in more goal-scoring positions. I thought um, 
I thought he was better yesterday. I thought he was a lot more involved, and I don't know. He, he seemed he seemed up for it, and obviously his goal was absolute moment of brilliance. We know that as in his locker. So uh, fair play to Zian yesterday. And then Bradshaw, I thought he was quiet, but it doesn't mean to say he didn't work hard and put a shift in because he certainly did. But I felt for his standards, he was quiet. He didn't get much joy out of the Preston back line. I think Preston have got some good players. I think, you know, um, couple their defence has been quite solid for a few years now. Um, I actually like the look of Dwayne Holmes for them. I think it was, a, you know, when they signed him, I saw that a lot of people were like, what are we signing him for? But I thought he was probably their main attacking threat for the first sort of 60 minutes. Um, I thought he was a good player. They've got a few players, decent players in the middle of the park. But um, And I've always liked Will Keane. I think Will Keane is something that we're missing. A, you know, a big target man that can hold the ball up and quite intelligent. And, you know, um, I liked him when he was at Wigan last year. And um, I still quite like him uh, at Preston. So they're not a bad team, Preston. I don't think they... I don't feel any better than us, if I'm honest, even with the money they spent in the summer. Um, but uh, um, but I, I think they're a half-decent side and I think they're probably mid-table again. Um, from, and, you know, any Preston fans listening, let me know what you think, whether you think I'm doing you a disservice or not. Um, but, um, yeah, so that was yesterday. Obviously, I'm not going to say too much about the, the subs, but... Um, Longman always puts a shift in. It's nice to see Billy Mitchell back on the pitch. And for me, it's just a case of what has George Savile got to do to, to get some game time. Maybe he's going to start on Tuesday to get the crowd going. Don't know. Let's see. Um, right. Now, just to spend a few minutes talking about uh, the managerial situation then. So I think, look, my stance on Gary Rowett is I think it's been coming. I wasn't shocked at the announcement. I was shocked at the timing of it. Um I think that in a results-based business, I think we need to thank Gary. I'm talking to him as if I know him. To thank Gary Rowett for, ultimately, a couple of things. And the first one is he did instill, install, instill, whatever, a belief in the club and in the players that we're not punching above our weight, that we deserve to be here. And if you cast your mind back four years, that's evident from a lot of different things. You know, I think it's evident in the finishes that we've had, you know, to, uh, you know, four top 12, 11 finishes. I think it's evident in the size of the budgets that he's been entrusted with because I don't think the club would have given those budgets to Harris. And ultimately, they wouldn't do that if it wasn't for Rowett. So he has to take credit for the fact that he has instilled a belief in the club that he can get us to where we are. Um and if you look at the calibre of players that we're now able to attract, Zian Fleming, Casper Denor, Brooke Norton, Cuffey on loan, we wouldn't, we wouldn't have got these before. Um, I definitely think he has moved the club forward, but I also think it probably, and I've said on this show, it served its served its course. Um, and whether it was mutual consent or not, the, the thing is, it probably was mutual consent to a point, but ultimately, someone has to make the decision first. You don't both sit there and go, right, someone has to invoke the conversation whatever which way around that was I don't know and we'll probably never know but it doesn't matter he's now moved on and yes at times the football was dire when you're a pragmatic manager when you're winning one nils it's okay but as soon as you start to not win not win and you start to lose your home form it can turn very sour and I think um we we thanked Harris for 
for going at the right time. And I think Rowett's gone at the right time, to be honest with you. I, I just think he's a bit odd, the specific time. I think maybe he could have gone in the summer or he could have gone at the start of the international break. But there's probably reasons that we don't know about as to why that didn't happen. Um, so Rowett's gone. Um, and now it's a case of what do we do next? Now, I'll talk through my kind of three top choices in terms of managers. And I think that the, the, the challenge is, is if, if you was to put a scale of one to 10, one being the most pragmatic manager and style of play, and then 10 being the most attacking, you would put Rowett probably as about a two, right? And everything has been built around that. The recruitment strategy, the playing style, the players, everything has been built around that, particularly the back line. And if you was to then bring in a manager that was like a seven or an eight, that is a huge shift. Now, if the club decide they want to go in another direction and go down that route, which Gary Rowett has alluded to in some of his interviews, then that is a potential recipe for success, but it's also a potential recipe for disaster because that would take a long time and a number of recruitment windows to coach and to bring a structure in that would allow that to happen. And I guess as we're only 12 games into the season, is that too big of a risk right here, right now to try and go for where if it went really wrong, could we end up being relegated? Like I know, you know, the players in fear, we've got too good to get relegated, but you can never say that in a league like the championship. So that's my only caution in terms of going for a complete change of direction. Um, So that's only one call that I would have. So, my kind of three candidates that I would like, that I that that for me I would narrow it down to, um, and I base this on who I think we could get in terms of budgets, who I think would be not an eight or a nine in terms of changing it completely, but also taking the club forward, and then ultimately who I think is available. So that's kind of what I've gone with. So uh, the first candidate I've got is Chris Wilder. Um, he was poor at Middlesbrough and he was poor at Watford. Watford, I think, is a poison chalice, and I don't think you can can you know um, balance you know judge him on that. Middlesbrough, you absolutely can, and that's poor, and I think he will know that. But if you get the Chris Wilder that was at Northampton and majority of his tenure at Sheffield United, um, this might annoy a few people that listen to this. I think Sheffield United are quite similar to Millwall in terms of fan base and the the, the sort of working class culture and things. And I think Wilder is a good combination of someone who's experienced at this level, has a success at this level, is available, is probably hungry to prove a point and would get us. Um, and that's why I think he could, could be a good option. He'd probably be quite expensive, um, but I think he'd probably be in the ballpark of what we could get at the top tier. So that's one option I would consider. The second option I could, would consider, and speaking completely candidly, when this name first cropped up, I said never. No, thank you. Don't want them. But the more I think about it, the more I think it possibly could work. And that's Nathan Jones. Um, and I can probably already tell a few people were sitting there thinking, what are you on about, mate? But hear me out. So Nathan Jones basically built the success that Luton have got. He did. There's no denying it. Um, he is a very detailed manager in terms of tactics almost too detailed i think it's well documented he's heavily got ocd he's without a doubt will be hungry to prove that 
he did make a pillock of himself at Southampton, but he'll be hungry to prove that otherwise. His style of play is not too dissimilar to what we play now in terms of the shape, but it is probably a little bit more front foot and aggressive and exciting to watch. Plus, he's always annoyed me when we played against him because he's like, doesn't really give credit. He moans about everything. He's like an angry little man. But maybe if that's combined with the den and you have a manager that utilises that, maybe it could work. So I don't think you can forget the work he's done at Luton. I don't think he's the sort of manager I think would harness the den, which obviously Gary Rowett didn't. And I think he's possibly a good combo of a tactician and a motivator because you kind of got two sides, right? For me, Harris was a motivator and he knew how to, to get the den rocking. He knew how to get motivate his players, but not much tactical depth. Whereas I think Rowett was a very master tactician at times. And I know I've had a few people say, you're having a laugh, mate. But I still stand by the fact that he was tactically very astute. Um, but I don't think he knew how to harness the the den. I don't think he was a very good man manager. And I think you need someone that could combine both. So I've done a 360 on Nathan Jones and he'd be in my top three. And then the third one would basically be a bit of an unknown quantity. So whether you go for a Kevin Muscat, who is very seven or eight on that attacking scale, by the way, but he's had a great success in the A-League and whatever, but and he probably won't be available until December because I think he's in, in with a shout of winning his current league. Uh, whether you go for someone like Muscat, whether you go for someone in League One or League Two, that's an unknown quantity, probably someone that's probably not even on the, the bookies list at the minute. Or you go for someone like Ryan Mason, that again is an unknown quantity in terms of being an actual manager. Um, they would be my three options. I would pick one unknown quantity um, and I would put Muscat in that bracket and I would go for Jones and Wilder because what I think we need is I think we need to go for someone who's like a five or a six on that scale, you know, not being pragmatic, 10 being ultra gung-ho, five, six, maybe a seven. And I think that those options there um, would give us the opportunity to do that. So, look, it's just my opinion, right? And, you know, at the end of the day, we probably won't be any of those. Um, so I personally don't want Michael Bill. I don't really know why, to be honest. Um, I guess the way he treated QPR left a sour taste in my mouth. Um, John Eustace, for me, has done a fairly good job at Birmingham, but I just don't like him. I don't really know why. And he's only done a good job at Birmingham for like six months or so, or, or a year. It's, you know, it's not been that long, although I know that Benjamin Bloom thinks he'll be a really good fit for us. So he's not in my top three, but hey, what do I know? Just my opinion. Um, and thank you very much for listening to me ramble for 30 minutes uh, today, talking a bit about the game and talking a bit about the management. Um, so look, let me know what you think. Who Who would you... Uh, who would be your top three if you was to go for a shortlist what would they be um, as I say just an opinion that's what we're ultimately uh, football's all about isn't it so thank you for listening to mine um, nice to be back doing one of these shows I will try and do one after the Blackburn game depending on what time I get home because uh, it'll be a late one um, but I will definitely try and do that and uh, hopefully see you down the den at some point um, and uh, yeah enjoy the rest of your weekend bye for now Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.